first I want to start out talking about Chasing the Rabbit, how this book came to be. What made you say, okay, look, I'm going to have to write something? Well, interestingly enough, I actually started the whole process uh, with the plan to write a business book. I was mm -hmm. going to write a business book uh, because a friend and I told me that if you write a business book and you bring it into a potential customer, your credibility goes way up. So I thought, you know, that actually kind of makes sense. So I started out with the idea that I was going to write a business book uh, with a completely selfish intent just to basically make myself look better. <laughs> and as I started sitting down to try to figure out what I was going to say in this business book, I heard a voice in my head that was almost as audible as anything I've ever heard. And it said, that's not the book you're supposed to be writing. You're supposed to write a book about Dylan. And I started writing. And about an hour later, I had three pages. And I thought, I'm never going to write a book. How am I going to do that? It just took me an hour to write three pages. And so I ended up uh, kind of putting it aside for a while. And finally, the, that thought just kept coming back into my head over and over again. And that voice, and so I finally I called my daughter, who's in college, and I said, look, I'm thinking about writing a book about Dylan. If I record it and email it to you, will you type it out for me? And she said, yeah, absolutely. So I, that's what I did. I recorded the whole book off of memory as I got in the car every day, and I would email my daughter the chapters, and she would type them and edit them as we, as we went. So this is a massive family uh, collaboration. It's uh, you, your son, and your daughter. Yeah. Well, no, my son didn't know anything about it at the time. <laughs> I, didn't tell, I didn't tell him about it until the book was basically completed. Uh, not edited, but I had everything that I wanted to say in the book written. And uh, only at that point did I call uh, Dylan and tell him that I wrote this book about him. And... Honestly, if you read our book and if you read all the reviews on Amazon, we have about 138 reviews on Amazon now, uh, almost all of them five-star. You'll, you'll read over and over again how honest and, and raw the book is. And the reason that is is because I didn't think anybody was ever going to read this thing. I figured that once I told Dylan about it, he was going to just shoot it down and say, there's no way you can tell everybody all those things that I went through. And I figured this book was going nowhere. Uh, but he was very supportive right from the very beginning, and I said, okay, well, I want you to be a part of it, so I'm going to send you uh, a chapter at a time so I don't overwhelm you, and if you have something to add, then you email it back to me, and those became Dylan's takes, and they throughout the book, and they absolutely completed the book. I mean, they, uh, they really made the book complete. Well, and it's such a lovely guide for parents because I think a lot of times there, first of all, there are not many books out there that are by dads. So anytime a dad speaks up, I think it is essential and important that we all sit down and listen uh, because there are so many dads who have things to say and, and have that voice in their head too, Derek, but they, they don't give it enough and, and they, they're, they get afraid about being honest because all the male reasons there, there are to not be honest about what it looks like, what it feels like, what it's like on the inside. So we appreciate the fact that you did that. But so much of our community tends to be divided over what's the parent's perspective and what's the perspective of the person who's on the autism spectrum. So you have brilliantly brought that together so that we get to see both sides of that coin. And, and I think that quiets a lot of people's... Um, 
I, I don't know, the immediate objections that, that people tend to have in our community so that we can see both sides of the coin. So that's, it's absolutely beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you listened to your inner voice about this is the story that you needed to tell. And we can already tell how honest you are just by, by listening to you talk. And I, I wanna venture back just a little bit though and talk about this remarkable young man who is your son, uh, Dylan stage name, Dylan uh, as he was born. And when did you start to see that there was something about him that was different? Well, when, when he was born, every, everything seemed fine. The first couple of years, everything was, uh, seemed relatively normal. And, and when I say normal, uh, for those listening, I, the reason I call the book Chasing the Rabbit is because I've always described Dylan as a greyhound, and the rabbit is normal. And he can see it, he knows exactly what it looks like, but no matter how much he runs and runs and exhausts himself, he just can't catch it. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what Dylan's life has been like. And so everything seemed pretty normal, with the exception of he hated being in his car seat. So every time we put him in his car seat, he would scream and scream. Other than that, there was really nothing unusual about him as a baby. When he was about 15 months, he had nine to 10 words, and they were your typical, you know, mama, dada, doggy kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped adding words until he was a little over two, when almost overnight, he went from not speaking more than nine to 10 words to speaking in full grammatically correct sentences almost instantly. He literally pulled a book off the bookshelf one day and said, how about this book? And I said, what? And he said, how about, how about we read this book? And I said, since when can you talk? And so it was, uh, it was not long after that that I actually came home from work. My wife was a stay-at-home mom, and she was watching a couple of the neighbor's kids for a couple hours uh, during the day. And she sat me down, and she said, something's not quite right with Dylan. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, something's not quite right with him. And my first reaction is, talked about with dads my first reaction and i've talked to a lot of dads we've been touring around the country with this book is very common it was denial ah no this is fine he's fine there's nothing wrong with him and she said no she said you know there's something that's not right and i said well what would make you say that and she said well when the other boys are here they communicate and they're playing and they're interacting and they're you know interacting and communicating whatever level it is that a two or three year old interacts and Dylan doesn't and she said it's almost like he doesn't even care if they're in the room or not and um, it just doesn't seem right to me so that was the first time uh, when he was a little over two that uh, between two and three when my wife uh, realized that something was off uh, but it wasn't until he was um, really five when he went to a summer camp and after a couple of weeks of summer camp, we got a call from the camp director, uh, and she called me at work, actually, because she couldn't track Amy down, and she said, come pick up your son, he's a monster. Oh. And, and uh, at that point, we knew that there was something more than something not quite right with Dylan, that, and he was having a lot of meltdowns, and he was very, very difficult. And so we went on what we call the Diagnosis of the Month Club, where we went from one therapist to another, all... Uh, telling us that whatever he they specialized in is what he had. Until eventually when he was eight, uh, before he got a diagnosis. So that was kind of the process in a quick nutshell. 
And, and I know that there are people who are, are listening who, you know, there are so many different types of autism. We talk about this all the time on the show. And there are, there are people who are listening whose children are nonverbal and or children who were verbal and lost uh, the, the ability to verbalize. And that's a different kind of autism. And, and I think sometimes um, folks like yourself are shortchanged because immediately people say, well, he must be incredibly high functioning if it, if it took till when he was eight years old to actually get a diagnosis. Um, and as if that is some consolation and oh, your life must be so easy, but you can speak to the fact that even though somebody is verbal, when there are those pieces that are missing socially, it is its own ring of hell sometimes. Um, and that your challenges are, are huge sometimes, wouldn't you say, Derek? Yeah, well, if you read my book, uh, you'll definitely not think that uh, there was anything easy about raising Dylan. And uh, easy would be about the furthest word you'd ever use for what we went through. And so, um, you know, Dylan, Dylan talks about that, actually, in our presentation. He talks about the whole idea of high functioning and that, you know, he said, you'd think that, okay, he's high functioning. He's hit the jackpot of the autism spectrum. But he said, what happens is people, because I'm here high functioning or I appear normal, people take me at face value and they don't accept my disability. Whereas I've known a lot of people 